Thanks, Chin. Awesome to have some people in here today. And uh, right at the top of the mezzanine, there's no one sitting up there. Those online can't see it, but there's a whole bunch of relief fund stuff. And it's just amazing to see how our churches come together. And there's a whole lot of baby clothes, nappies. There's more stuff arriving this week. And we actually had the whole back of the auditorium filled with stuff, but we had to move it out so we could fit some of you in here. But uh, who would have thought, eh? Churches would become storehouses and warehouses for food. And I think it's just been an incredible opportunity uh, just to be able to help people. And yeah, I want to encourage those young couples to do this marriage prep, even if you're not yet engaged, okay? Uh, It may feel awkward to do a marriage prep course, but I think if you're dating and the idea is to hopefully get married one day, I think you're welcome to come along and do the course. And let me tell you, it's so worth investing into your relationship marriage is amazing when it works right, but it also can be one of the toughest things you'll ever do, and I don't think there's enough preparation or enough training that we have into that, so for us, we're super excited, all the engagements happening at the church, so that's going to be starting soon. Cool. How's everybody doing? Are you all good? All alive? All well? Um, We really, really hope, I said it last week, that, uh, you know, things are looking up for us in South Africa. We've got to believe that, right? Um... You know, last year we thought was hectic, and then 2021 hit. Uh, anyway, uh, but we, we just got to be excited for, uh, you know, the Bible speaks about a hope of it and a future that we have in Him, you know. So we just got to keep looking up and believing that God is working in and through all that is happening. So if you have just joined us this week or are new to our church, we are kind of finishing off a series that has developed and grown a little bit, but it's called What's the Point? And... Um, the message, just to be clear, hasn't been a reaction to some of what's been happening around us the last few weeks, but it's been God's timing completely. Uh, a lot of the, all the content that we've been speaking into kind of was thought about and prepared before, and it's just amazing how God works and lines these things up. Not saying as a church we wouldn't ever prepare content based on a response to something. I think, I think it's important to do that, but it's just incredible to see God's timing, and when He does these things you realize that there's so much more going on in our lives and in our church and in our businesses that God is just working in and through all these things. So we've been amazed at that. So the series is What's the Point? And that um, statement is kind of like a give up statement. Oh, what's the point, you know? Uh, And and first week we looked at uh, Ecclesiastes. We kind of looked at four Old Testament books, uh, you know, about being a time for everything. Last uh, two weeks ago, uh, Colin looked at Job and why did bad things happen to good people. Job lost everything. Last week, if you missed it, go have a listen. It's on uh, Hosea being one of the key scriptures when he was asked to love his wife again, who was a prostitute. And it's all on forgiveness. And let me tell you, if you struggle with any form, I think most of us do in some way, a little bit of hurt or resentment, you want to go have a listen to that message. It is really practical and will help you in dealing with forgiveness. And uh, this week, um, we look at Jonah. And I, I think he would have also said that statement, oh, what's the point, you know? He was a prophet, and, but today, not only are we going to look at kind of the give up statement of, of what's the point, I'm hoping that you will get the actual point to this whole series and um, really have some life change in your life today. But before I, I get into Jonah, there's a story about an atheist teacher who was having a, a go, really, at this little girl in her class who was a Christian, and uh, the whales. The teacher said it was physically impossible for a whale to swallow a human because even though it was a large mammal, its throat was very small. The little girl uh, stated that Jonah was swallowed by a whale. Irritated, the teacher reiterated that 
physically impossible. To heaven, Amun asked Jonah. The teacher asked, well, what if Jonah Then you can ask him. Sharp little girl. So uh, if you have your Bibles with, with you today or you Vision Bible app, for those online, it's on the screen as well. Um, Jonah 1. It's quite a familiar story. I think we've all heard about Jonah and the whale um, at some point in our life, maybe, or you learned about it at Sunday school. But it's a, it's a pretty fascinating story. I'm only going to touch on kind of the beginning part of it today, but it really is an amazing uh, book. But let's pick it up here in Jonah 1 from verse 1. It says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of uh, Imitai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Now, you may look at this and go, oh, geez, Jonah, what a, what a loser, you know, just ran away from God. But uh, prior to that, I mean, he was a, a well-respected prophet. He, he often did the right thing. Um, but this particular story of Jonah is um, kind of what almost gave him his name. He actually became known as the reluctant prophet. Um, and he was reluctant to do what God had asked him to do. And in this particular story, you see him disobey God, Okay. Interesting, just a couple uh, side points here. The name Jonah actually means uh, dove, the peaceful one. And I'm not, we, we, we've got a Jonah in our house. I'm not so sure if he's living quite true to that statement right now. But anyway, he, we'll, we'll get him there, okay? But he was known as the peaceful one or, or the bringer of peace, okay? So he ran um, away from the very uh, root of his name, okay? His father, um, Imitai, means truth. So Jonah, I mean, how's this, was son of truth. He, he was uh, the son of a truth giver. And he was meant to live true to his father's name. Nineveh, just for those of you who are not quite sure, maybe you think that's Nivea or something like that, okay. Uh, Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. And Nineveh was Israel's worst enemy. I mean, they feared uh, this, this city. And today, I didn't want Jin to give it away, is... The title of the message is The Jonah in Us. And we're going to see in through uh, the story of Jonah that we all have a little bit of Jonah in us. So what we're going to do is go back to verse 1. And we're going to read there. It says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. The word of the Lord. And I'm trusting today, like we do every single Sunday, is that the word of the Lord will speak to you today. For you in this room, for you guys out there, for those online, I'm trusting that the word of the Lord will speak to you today. You see, God loves to speak to us, in case you didn't realize that. He, he created speech. So much so, he created you into being by speaking. And he loves to talk to his children. And I know sometimes we battle to hear, you know, God speaking to us. And someone once explained it to me like this. They said, the more time you spend with God, the more time you'll recognize his voice. Like I know if Jim calls my name, and she can call it in different ways, and it can mean different things. Like if she goes, Hilt, that, that's, that's good. You know, if she goes, Hilton, then, then you know, you're in trouble. Um, but I will recognize her voice, just like I would maybe my mom or my dad's voice, because 
I'm familiar with that voice. So when they speak, I recognize it and I understand. Many times we don't hear God's voice because we haven't spent enough time with him. I hope that didn't hurt you too much. <laughs> it's just the truth. We need to spend time with God so we start to recognize his voice. And God loves to speak to his children. He's going to speak to you today if you just open up your heart. God speaks in many ways, just so you, you know. He can speak through me right now. He can speak through people. You know, you've got friends or family around. God can use humans to speak to you. God can also speak to us um, with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God lives in us, and we can feel things and sense things and hear him say things to us. God obviously speaks to us through the Word of God. The word of the Lord is coming to you today through the word of God. God can also speak uh, to us through um, the uh, Alpha Course. talks about circumstantial signs. Like things happen, you know, things line up. You know, God will use uh, an open door or a closed door and just, you know, things just work out a certain way. And you know that God is in it. Another way God can speak to us really simply is through the brains that he's already given us. Using our common sense, using... Uh, the fact that he's given us a brain and he's asked us to think through things. You know what I mean? We don't have to ask God everything, you know, like the smallest of things. But certainly when it comes to the bigger details of our life, God would want us to ask him, but also to use our brains and how we actually function and how we live our lives. Are you with me? So remember the word of the Lord may not be what you want to hear, rather what you need to hear. And it's, it's a challenge sometimes. And if you're taking notes, the first point is this. God will often ask you to do things you don't want to do. God will often ask you to do things you don't want to do. The reason we don't want to do what God wants us is because I think we really just like to believe that we know what's best. So I've got four children, as you know, and you know some of them are getting older, and uh, some of them are starting to be able to think for themselves and do their own things, but... As, as a parent, you often look at your kids and you kind of feel like you know what's best because especially when they're younger, it's like they want to touch something that they shouldn't, you know, touch the kettle. You're like, hang on a second, don't touch that. It's hot. I know what's best. But then they will go against what you're telling them to do and they decide to touch the kettle and they end up being burnt. And I think we often look at God and go, you know, what do you know, basically? Well, we might not tell, tell him that, but I think in our actions, we end up doing that. We think we know what's best, especially when we face with a, a variety of choices, and we often just look at the natural circumstances around us. You must remember, God is not a natural God. He's supernatural, and so often there's, there's other scenarios at play. Okay, if I had to ask you today, which is your favorite Haagen-Dazs ice cream? So we've got cookies and cream, okay, and we've got the uh, caramel one. I don't even know how to say that. Um, okay. Who, who's a cookies and cream person? Like, that's the best one. Okay. We've got some hands going up. I don't know about hands going up online. Okay. Who, who's the caramel one? Okay. It's about half-half. Well, you're all wrong because this is the best one. The Belgian chocolate Haagen-Dazs is the best one. Okay. There is another choice that you didn't know about in the previous slide. And, and I'm saying it's the best one, not saying you're wrong. I mean, if, for me personally, the, the Belgian chocolate Haagen-Dazs is just, it's like chewing chocolate mousse. It's like the most incredible ice cream. I'm not a huge ice cream lover, and this stuff is expensive, so every now and again, you know, it's like, it's worth every cent. It's like you're sucking a five-rand coin every spoon you take. But anyway, it is amazing. And, and this ice cream, I, I hate chocolate desserts 
that aren't real chocolates. You know what I mean? It's fake. I just, you know, when you can taste plastic and all that stuff, you know, it's like a chomp. A chomp is not chocolate, just so you know. It says, it, 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 it's not. It says it's a flavored coating. It's like plastic. Even, but even now to get a chomp, those taste nuts. Maybe it's the caramel and the wafer in the middle. But anyway, but this uh, Haagen-Dazs is incredible. It's like you, you chew the ice cream. It's got so much chocolate in it. And it's like the reason why you pay so much for it is because they have not spared any, uh, you know, anything with the ingredients that they're using. But the point of that is basically say, so often we're choosing between two things. Oh, no, this is best. This is best. Meanwhile, there's another option that you have no idea about. And I think often God looks at us and goes, you're making this a natural choice, but have you even asked me about the option I have for you? And I think it's better than those two. With God, there's always a better option, which we may not know about. So why wouldn't we ask his opinion? You know, as a pastor, I often um, am amused. I've got to be honest. When we, we chat to various people, and sometimes people in our church, and they, they tell me about their grand schemes and plans. And I'm not saying those are laughable. Uh, don't hear what I'm not saying. What I'm saying is like, when I ask a question like a pastor should, is like, well, what does God think? Have, have, have you prayed about this? They're like, uh, no, not yet. It's just, a, it's, just a, it's just a plan. You know, it's just, this is what I'm thinking. I'm like, well, I suggest you, you ask God about that. You know what I mean? Um, also for us as pastors, we, we are available, by the way. We only work uh, one day a week, apparently, on Sunday, so you can come in here anytime. No, I'm joking. Um, but, but seriously, we are available. I mean, if you wanted to bounce an idea off us or ask us to pray with you about something, if you're making a major decision in your life or your business or you're moving somewhere, for us being shepherds looking after you spiritually, we would be honored. And, and I think it's, it's a biblical thing to come and say, hey, you know, what do you think? Could you pray about this before you make your decision? Take it to God too, because maybe we will help you take it to God. Whenever I talk about this, I, I'm reminded of a, a good friend, or old friend of mine. He's probably more friendly with Colin Edmonds at the back. They were at school together. And I don't mind mentioning his name because even if he ever did listen to this, he wouldn't mind me telling the story. His name is Richard Mormon. <laughs> um, he was part of this church, and uh, he wanted to go overseas. He was moving uh, overseas, and he had all these grand ideas. So I said, well, that's, that's amazing. Um, have you prayed about it? Just, just checking, not, not like just, just asking. He goes, No. So I said, no, man, you must pray about it. He goes, no ways. He said, I'm too scared God will say no. <laughs> and he was being 100% genuine, you know. But guys, listen to what James just, we're going to flick to the book of James very quickly in the New Testament. Look, look what it says here in chapter 4. Look here. You who say, today or tomorrow we're going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year we'll do business there and make a profit all these grand schemes how do you know what your life will be like tomorrow now i'm not saying arrogant kind of side all these grand schemes your life is like a morning fog some speak about like a mist you know when you when it's cold and you go and that mist comes out that steam comes out and it just disappears very quickly he says that's what it's like it's here a little while then it's gone and you make all these grand plans. This is what we're going to be doing. What you ought to say, if the Lord wants us to. Some versions say, if the Lord wills, we will live there or do this or that. Otherwise, you're boasting about your own pretentious plans, and all such boasting is evil. Just in case you're wondering, that's in the Bible, okay? James chapter 4. James was Jesus' half-brother. I think he spent a lot of time don't, don't do that. You can make plans, but say, God, if it's 
forward like, you, pastor, friend, this is what I'm thinking. What, what, what do you think? Could you pray? Guys, you want to do God's will for your life. You don't want to make all these grand I mean, remember the plans that we had two weeks ago? I, I'd planned to go buy some milk. <laughs> then I realized that I had to use some context and hustle a little bit, and we ended up getting 400 liters of milk. But anyway, but it, it, what happened to those meetings? They, everything changed, and I think we, we're getting used to this now. That you know, Even for us as a church, someone said, I don't know how you do it. I think it was... Tanner's mom sitting in the back. Like you guys just keep hustling and adjusting, and every week you don't know what's happening with church, you know. And you can have some long-term plans, but you've got to have some, you've got to be flexible and be able to adjust short-term. But I think the idea of the scripture is to really encourage us to say, if it is God's will, don't go anywhere unless God has told you to go. You are safest in a war zone in God's will than in Canada, UK, Portugal, Oz, or New Zealand, out of his will. It's got quiet in here. If you're meant to go to Canada or you're meant to go to Portugal, God's lined things up and it's his will. Amazing. Bless you on your way. I'm so excited for you. And I know all about those seasons in life and changes. That's amazing. But don't do it and run out of God's will for your life. Don't go anywhere until God tells you to go. A lot of times we, we feel like we know what's best and we don't want to obey when the word of the Lord comes to us. One other quick verse in the New Testament, uh, John 14, 23, says this, Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. Jim spoke about it today, even in our tithe and offering messages. We will obey his teaching. But if we pick up verse two in Jonah again, it says, Go to that great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before, before me. Now, some of you may be wondering, why didn't Jonah just do what God asked him to do? Why didn't he go? Let me give you some context. Maybe you'll sympathize a little bit with Jonah, okay? The Assyrians were brutal, okay? We saw some serious stuff happen a couple of weeks ago with the violence. This was another level. Before they even attacked a city, they reckon many people would just commit suicide. They would rather die by committing suicide than being put into captivity or killed by the Assyrians, okay? This is a little bit hectic and maybe a little bit PG for some people, but they, they, would, they would rape the women and children. They would skin the husbands alive and then put them in the desert, in the hot sand. They would dig holes and put them in the desert. Can you imagine that? And then they would drive a stake through their tongue into the sand. That's what they would do. Hectic, okay? And eventually they would just die of thirst out there, okay? And then they would head and then place it in front of the city that they took captive. Can you understand now a little bit why Jonah was a little nervous to go and preach against those people, okay? Maybe you have a little bit of sympathy for Jonah now. Sometimes there's legitimate reasons that we want to go or, or not go and do something. And maybe you can relate even today, you know, looking at the situation that South Africa has faced recently. But even if we take it maybe more personal, maybe there's a legitimate reason why you don't want to go offer someone forgiveness because they really did hurt you. And God's 
asked you to. The word of the Lord has come and you're like, this is what you need to do. And you're like, no, you don't understand. There's too much hurt. Again, Jim spoke about tithing and giving. God's asked you to tithe and to give and you're like, oh, there's legitimate reasons why you think you can't or I can't afford it or this or that. And we have every excuse. Maybe when it comes to relationships, young people, we spoke about the marriage prep course coming. When it, when it comes to purity, and it's like, ah, oh, well, you know, I kind of just, you know, I know God said that we should kind of like just stay pure and stuff, but ah, it's so hard, you know. <laughs> it's just, you know, we, it's nice to play house and just live together before. And so I don't, it might be sounding like being a bit hectic here, but we, we justify all these things. And the, the word of God is so clear. And yet we come up with all these little excuses and sometimes legitimate ones. Oh, you know, my, my friends, you know, they're doing this and that. And I mean, what's the big deal anyway? You see it coming more and more in the world. The, the boundaries are being pushed and pushed and pushed. Eventually, no one's going to even know what right or wrong is. And when it comes to purity and relationships, the word of the Lord will come to you. Maybe that's for marriage. It's not for dating. And you've got a choice. And a lot of people will say, well, I know what God says, but like, I just want to do this with whatever situation you, you're facing. I don't really care what God says. I just want to do it. It feels good. You know, it makes me feel loved. I don't really care what God says. And that's when we start to see the Jonah in all of us. Yeah, I know, I know. Maybe one day you say, oh, well, I'll maybe get to it later. I'll do it later. Remember this. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Delayed obedience is disobedience. It's kind of like the parenting technique that we often use, you know. Okay, I'm counting to three. You better stop doing that. One, two, two and a half, <laughs> two and three quarters. And Jude, I mean, so my other kids are Chloe. I mean, we said don't touch a pug. She just wouldn't touch it. One, two, and as I'm saying three, he would take it off. <laughs> Delayed obedience is disobedience. Um, I don't know if you've heard of Erwin McManus. He pastors a church in California. He's also an amazing uh, author. And he says the mark of maturity, listen to this carefully, is what he calls lag time. You can tell the maturity of a person between the distance of the command of God and the obedience. If the distance is short, they are mature. If the distance is long, it is immaturity. And I've got to be honest, sometimes as a pastor, I get a little afraid because you're our responsibility, right? And I'm, I'm sometimes a little afraid that we have a church full of people where they just push the boundary of lag time, if obedience at all. There's a command of God. There's a word of God. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to. Well, maybe I will, maybe I won't. I don't know. We'll see. And that is really worrying. The word of the Lord will come to you and he'll often tell you to do things that you don't want to do. Maybe like stay in South Africa. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe you meant to go. It's okay to have a backup plan. I'm not saying don't, don't have wisdom. I mean, we've got European passports, you know. But don't do anything that God is not telling you to do. Do what God is telling you to do, and maybe you don't want to do it. Point two, if you're taking notes, you can always find a boat sailing in the wrong direction. You can always find a boat sailing in the wrong direction. 
You're always going to have a mate that's going to say, hey, let's, let's, let's do this. Let's, let's do that. And young people, I mean, I've got teenagers now. I mean, it's, it's difficult. We, we, we're having conversations all the time. I think it, it, I know some of the older people go, yeah, it was the same when we were young. I, I really do think that with uh, media, with devices, with everything, I mean, there's, there's different challenges, but I would say it's, it's probably even more difficult. I mean, it's just, just in your face the whole time. There's going to be a mate that says, hey, remember the old days. Let's, let's, let's go do that again. There's going to be the mate that says, oh, it doesn't matter, man. Don't worry about it. There's going to be the other friend. Don't worry, I, I won't tell. Listen to Jonah 1 verse 3. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for their port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. So God says, go east. Jonah goes 4,000 kilometers west. <laughs> That's actually how far he went. They reckon it could have taken him as much as a year because of the distance that he had to travel. I mean, this egg ran long and far. Talk about lag time. He had boat lag. Maybe you've been running from God. Maybe not as obvious as Jonah. Maybe you haven't gone on a plane and gone to the other side of the world because you're just running away. But maybe just even in your heart, like when it comes to your, your, your relationship with God, maybe nobody even knows, but you've drifted. You've, you've, you've gone away from God. You, can, you need to understand today that, that, that you can run for a while, but you can't run forever. And maybe you're not necessarily running like intentionally. I'm just drifted slightly without even knowing. I'm sure most of you would have had this experience before when you... Uh, swimming in the sea and then you're swimming you know in front of the poles and then before you know it you look and you're like oh my gosh there's my people sitting over there um this beach up on on the screen right now is salt rock beach we grew up on this beach my my dad had um, kind of grew up there his, his parents had a cottage there and uh, it's an incredible beach but one of the things about salt rock is it's got a hectic shore break it's awesome um anyone been to salt rock i'm sure and this particular day you can see you can put the pick back up Um, you know, I've, I've spent a lot of time swimming in these, so you kind of always got to stay close enough to the shore. You, if you drift out a little bit, you've got to kind of take the next wave in. But the kids were also there, and before, like I knew it, uh, Chloe and Jude, I mean, right there, you know, like it's just amazing. There was such a sight, you know, and uh, they eventually kind of got back in because they're strong enough swimmers. But before you know it, because there is a current, there's a world system. There is the devil. Not be so intentional like Jonah, running in the opposite direction. But maybe you've just drifted. To this, you know, um, you were really close to God a, a couple years ago, or even a few months ago. But things have just happened. COVID's happened as well. Look, it's been really tough. I know on everybody. I mean, it's been tough to do church the way we normally do. And we've seen a fair amount of people just fall off the bandwagon, you know. And it is a concern. I'm like, where's, where's so-and-so? Where, where are those people? Where are those people? And it is what it is. But we're really hoping that this message today will make a connection in your heart. If you feel like you have been one of those drifting, that God has got you listening to this message today for a reason and a purpose. And, hey, maybe you can send this message today to one of those people that you are thinking like, hey, where's so-and-so, where's so-and-so? 
But it's so important to be able to pull back together, to get into God. Maybe you can relate to the fact that like when you first became a Christian, everything was so exciting. Going to church, praise and worship, reading the Bible. Every time you open it up, like bam, God was speaking to you, highlighting things and writing things. And it was just all exciting. And then you used to enjoy praying and spending time with God. But now you're like, I don't know if I have time for that anymore. Life is too busy. Life is too full. Maybe you've drifted a little bit. It may not be intentional, but you've drifted. Remember this though. Point three, God may use a storm to grab your attention. God may just use a storm to grab your attention. Verse four, then the Lord sent, the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. Now the people that were with Joan on the boat started to get a little bit like nervous what was going on and uh, they were obviously a little bit spiritually perceptive and in tune. They started to go, someone's done something wrong here because this has come out of nowhere. This is not a natural storm. This is like a storm sent by someone. What is going on? And they, they, they came to Jonah and they challenged him and, they, and, and he said, he answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them and they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. I worship the Lord, he says. Do you? What about you today? Do you just say you worship the Lord? Or do you actually worship the Lord? Is it just convenient to say I'm a Christian, but not actually live it? And I would say the problem with our generation today is there's so many people who call themselves followers of Jesus, but don't actually follow him. Don't live like he even exists. They call it cultural Christianity. I've even heard a version saying, it, I'm a Christian atheist. I believe in God, but I live as if he doesn't exist. When it's convenient. Maybe even do the home group thing. You know, you come to church every now and again, but you're just messing around. You know, you doing things that you know you shouldn't. Maybe even... And, and, and I, I've heard and I know and I've got friends who are Christians and you, you go play a round of golf with them or you're in a different environment watching rugby and all of a sudden these friends and, and it's not about me judging anybody okay like I, I don't never judge people often start apologizing if they swear around me it's the weirdest thing like, I'm, like I was at a restaurant the other day and, and I walked past he said hey come back sorry man we were swearing so I, like, I'm like I didn't even know who the guy was and he, he obviously knew I was a pastor I'm like don't worry about it bro. like honestly but, but sometimes these Christian friends, like it's almost like their behavior changes and their language changes. All of a sudden they're like swearing and like, I'm like, why? Like, where does that come from? Not that I actually say that to them, but I'm questioning these things. Sometimes some of us, we need to get our non-Christian friends to church and get them saved. Then you invite them around to have a Brian connect and then you end up getting just as drunk as they are. Or some of you, you know, cute Christian couple, the Bible on the table there, you know, believe in God and hey, all good, but the marriage is a mess. You don't even know how to die to self. I'm being a bit heavy today, it feels like it. <laughs> Got to tell you this stuff, it's the truth, right? But eventually Jonah, he owns up and he takes responsibility. You've got to take responsibility sometimes. Verse 12, 
He says, pick me up and throw me into the sea. He knew. He replied, he says, it'll become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. He took responsibility. Why is it that we battle to take responsibility for things? We love to play the blame game or the victim game. We've always got something to say about somebody else. Well, it's because of this or because of that, because of this. Take responsibility. You're responsible for your own life before God. Don't blame anyone else. I know some of you guys have had some hectic situations. Things have happened out of your control. And, uh, you know, we hear of the heartache and the, the hurt and all the stuff that, you know, people, sometimes it feels unfair, you know, like why, you know. But everyone has their own sense of issues. You've you got no idea what I've had to walk or Jin's had to walk or what my parents have had to walk. You've got no idea. And we, we so easily judge and we go, well, it's okay for you, and, you know, but you've got no idea that this is my life. And, and we, we, we don't take responsibility. You're responsible for your own choices. And eventually Jonah takes responsibility. And point four is Jonah's worst nightmare was exactly what he needed. Jonah's worst nightmare was exactly what we needed. And if we go back to the story, I'll just skip through a few verses. Um, first of all, they, they realized that it was Jonah, but then they try to lighten the ship and like throw stuff overboard and maybe that would have saved them from being shipwrecked. Then they try to row back to shore. That didn't happen. And, you know, because then eventually they cast lots uh, and they were like, no, Jonah needs to go. And um, so anyway, they go, sorry, buddy, we've got to chuck you overboard. And they like repented before God and threw Jonah overboard. Okay. Verse 15. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. It's amazing how God can even use Jonah's mess to bring someone else to God. I just love that. God can use your mess, your situation, your life right now, the craziness that's going on in this world today, he can use it to bring many people to God if we choose to take responsibility and be obedient. Look what happened here. But the Lord provided a great fish. The Lord provided a great fish. It may have not been what Jonah thought. He would have preferred to walk on water. You know what I mean? I mean, can you imagine how terrifying, I've spoken to you about this before, like sharks and stuff, you know, like I'm not keen to go that way. Eh? Nibble on my leg first, then take me whole. Like this. I mean, can you imagine this fish coming and just swallows them whole? It's interesting because we spoke about a whale in the kid's story. It, it, it actually never says anywhere in the Bible that it's, it's a whale. It, it actually speaks about a, a big fish, a large fish. And the Lord provided a great fish. God will always come through at the right time. Even when you think like, that's it, you're done, I'm drowning, I'm dead, I'm finished. He provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. They've actually done some study on this from like a, uh, like a practical understanding. Could this actually happen? And, and it can actually happen, that he could have lived in the belly of this fish. Look, I've got to admit, must have really smelt. Like, I'm not sure about you, but like the fish smell, imagine. They say uh, families are like dead fish. It goes off after three days. Can you imagine being in a, in a fish's stomach for three days? Oh, that must be pretty horrendous. Talk about favor in the storm. Remember we spoke about that a few months ago in the favor series. Right there in the mess, in the storm, God provides a way out for Jonah. And even for you today, as we kind of start coming to a close, maybe you're at your end. You feel like this is it. Chuck me overboard. Maybe financially. Maybe with a relationship, with a marriage. Maybe just mentally. Just like, it's too much. 
I believe God's got your attention today. And then through this story, and God will use, I don't say that he sends, or, or look, he sent the storm, but the storm didn't kill him. I'm not saying God will make bad things happen. He will use bad things to get your attention. That's for sure. I've seen that over and over again. And I hope that he's got your attention. I hope he's got the world's attention in and through what we've gone through. Maybe even South Africa. I'm not saying God sent the looting and the writing. Don't hear what I'm not saying. But let's just hope that something good can come out of all this. That people can sort of work together, that we, we can bring healing to each other in and through what we've experienced. The word of the Lord will come to you and you have a choice to obey or disobey. When God speaks to you, you can always find a ship sailing in the wrong direction. If you do not obey, He may send a storm to grab your attention. If that doesn't get it, He may allow you to face your worst nightmare. And when He does, understand this, it's all because He loves you. Because He has something for you to do. And He has a city in Jonah's case, or a group of people that He would love you to impact. But you've got a choice. You can keep running or drifting, or you can come back to Him. And I really, really pray today that you would come back to Him. And I don't have time, as I said, to speak about the rest of the story of Jonah. It's pretty amusing. Go read it for yourself, and you'll see what Jonah ends up doing and what God does in and through it. Um, he does end up going to Nineveh, but a bit of a bit of a battle. But I just really believe today that when you come back to God, there is an option that He gives us that is so rewarding, so beautiful, so amazing. And sometimes we just have to trust Him and trust the process. And uh, I'm gonna end with this. Shen, if you can bring my Haagen-Dazs Belgian chocolate ice cream. I got the small tub. Oh, cute, it's got a little spoon here. Yeah. I'll use the bigger spoon. There is an option. Look at that, guys. Look at the chocolate in there. Can you see it? Can you taste it? Oof, look at that. Just get the camera right in on that there. Look at that. Mm. What's the time? 10 o'clock, my goodness. The earliest I've ever eaten haagen is, is 4 a.m. And that was in Dubai Airport. We debated whether we should do it. Do you remember that, Jim? We're like, there's free haagen We're like, bring it here. Mm, it's incredible. It tastes so good. Got some chocolate stuck in my teeth now. Some of you are saying, I'm going to buy some of that stuff right now. Guys, it's incredible. The reason for that, is that what's God saying to you today? Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. If you don't know God's goodness, maybe you've been running. Maybe you've been drifting. And he's going, mm, look at this, what I have for you. You think those are the options. Look at this. He loves us so much. He's our father. He wants the best for us. It's so good. Let me have another taste. Mm, it really is amazing. God's saying, here, yeah. do you want it? 
We should have bought free Hagen for everyone today. Eh? Tell him at the spa, it's on my dad. But God's saying, come on. You've got no idea how good it is living in the plan and the purpose that God has for your life. You'd be stupid not to ask him to show you what that is. So before you make any decision, small or big, say, God, what do you want me to do? Because I know your plan for my life is far better than the one I have. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word, the word of the Lord. It's timeless. It's and you spoke to Jonah. And in through that story and in through what's been said today, and I just find that amazing that you would choose right now to speak to us. See, it's not my in and through what has been said. And right now, there's something personal that God is speaking to you. Just open up your heart. Say, God, would you speak? And I'm sorry, Lord, for shutting you out, closing, closing you off, thinking I know better. Repent of your, of your arrogance, thinking you know better. Say, God, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And now ask God, for many of you, maybe just even it's a recommitment saying, God, just come and be Lord of my life. Because with all that's going on, I, I can't be Lord of my life because then I'm swayed by emotions, opinions, and situations. But Lord, come and give clarity to my life, to my family's life, to my business, to my relationships. Come and be Lord. In church, that means you stepping off the throne, eh? If you want God to be Lord. <laughs> Put him in charge and watch him lead you and guide you into the most beautiful life that he has planned for you. Life to the full, Jesus speaks about. So you do that in your heart right now. And my last prayer today is for anyone here today or maybe you're watching online and you've been running maybe you knew God a long time ago maybe you've never known God and you're like man this this is speaking to me today I, I, I've been my own God I've been making my own decisions but I'd like to put God in control of my life I'm gonna let him lead me and guide me and you've never prayed a prayer saying God come and be Lord of my life at some point you're gonna have to let go and you're gonna have to surrender it's difficult but it's trust, and trust is a beautiful thing where you can place your life in someone else's hand. Like trust in a marriage is just a beautiful thing when you can trust someone. It's so freeing. Trust God with your life. So if you want to pray a prayer today, never prayed it before, I'm not going to embarrass you. We're going to pray it nice and loud, all of us together. But if you have never prayed it, I'd love to know who I'm praying with today. Would you mind just slipping up your hand if you're in the auditorium out there today, if there is anyone... Anyone never prayed a prayer before like that and would like to do that? Anyone? There's only a few of us here today, but maybe there's some people online as well. Um, anyone? I don't see any hands inside here today, um, but can we all pray together? Because I know that there are people 
and there's people online. So let's pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, from today, I commit my life to you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me, for forgiving me and setting me free. From today, Lord, I make you Lord of my life. And I'm sorry for my past and ask you to forgive me. And from today, I want to live for you.